millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. On this episode of Headstrong, I've teamed up with Actors Warehouse. Now, Actors Warehouse is your one-stop shop for building new and existing skills and progressing your career as a performer. Actors Warehouse have some incredible workshops covering everything from audition technique to self-taping at home, Shakespeare, accents, you name it. Actors Warehouse has got you covered, whatever your skill level or ability. As well as these workshops, Actors Warehouse writes, creates and edits personalised showreel scenes. They understand that everyone needs this high-quality showreel. It's essential in the industry. And that is why Actors Warehouse take the time to get to know you on a personal level before writing and filming showreel scenes designed to showcase the talent you want casting directors to see. Follow them today on at Actors Warehouse on Instagram and send them a direct message to find out more. Alternatively, you can visit their website www.actorswarehouse.co.uk. Also, go check out the Headstrong Instagram page because we are running an exclusive competition giveaway for a chance to win a one-on-one workshop with Actors Warehouse completely tailored to your needs at Headstrong Podcast. Hello, you're listening to Headstrong, hosted by me, Louis Strong. Every individual on this earth has a unique journey and story. On Headstrong, I sit down with individuals in the public eye to talk about exactly that, their unique story. And I want to talk to them about their careers their childhoods, their lives, and the highs and lows of everything that has happened to them. And I do this because I want you, the listener, to not only hear these inspiring stories and their interests, but I also want you to understand what it means to be headstrong. On this episode of Headstrong, I sat down with actor Celine Buckins. I've known Celine for a few years now, and 
I wanted to talk to Celine about her career as a child actor and also her immensely successful career to date already in programmes such as Free Reign and Warrior. I also talked about the creative industries and her adoration for the film industry and indeed the creativity within film. We had a hugely interesting conversation and I hope you really enjoy this episode. If you do, feel free to share it with your family, your friends, onto your social media and beyond. Every listener helps this podcast and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Celine, thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me on Headstrong today. I much, very much appreciate it. My pleasure. How are you? How's it all going? Because we find ourselves now in about halfway through the second lockdown as we record this, so mid-November. Where are you at the moment? I'm at home in London, um, which is where I spent the whole of lockdown. Um, So, yeah. The first one as well? The first one as well, yeah, yeah. We actually moved into this place uh, two weeks before lockdown happened. So, sort of, it feels very lived in now. It feels like we've lived here for years and years because we've probably spent... The same amount of time that we would spend here over like three years. <laughs> oh my word, you know those four walls very well. <laughs> yeah, very, very well, very well. In that first lockdown, I certainly found it quite interesting to have that. I mean, I know that it was a long time, like almost three months, and I found that time quite reflective and quite enjoyable to an extent anyway. How did you find that time, um, you know, because everything literally shut down so drastically. Did you Did you enjoy that time for potentially... Uh, self-reflection or an enjoyable time to maybe have a break from things or were you a little reluctant to do that and wanted to keep things going? So I actually, I, I, I think I deal quite well with being um, on my own. Like I kept, in, I kept in touch with people quite like intermittently, but I actually weirdly didn't find the lockdown that different being between jobs as an actor because because it's so, you know, the the way that the industry works, you can be working for five months on something and then have um, four months off. And so having to sort of self-motivate and be like, okay, well, what am I, what am I going to do with my time is something that um, I think actors are quite used to. So I was actually, I carried on sort of business as usual. And I was, um, I, start, I started writing um, about a year ago. Um, started with short films and then wrote a pilot, um, which I finished in February, I think. Um, and then I was writing feature in lockdown. And so I felt quite normal. Um, well, I felt like the normal version of me between jobs. Yeah, absolutely. That's interesting that you started your writing. Was that because, again, I mean, as you probably mentioned there, that it's something to fill your time productively during, you know, in between jobs. Um, how, how have you found yeah. that writing experience? Did you have you kind of just picked up a pen and had a go, or had you had some kind of knowledge and experience of how to do that? So I think it's more that I really love the medium of film, as pretentious as that sounds. And I uh, I started acting when I was very young, and I think I just sort of assumed that that would be my role in the film and TV industry would be as an actor. And then having a bit of time between jobs made me think, oh, well, maybe there's some other aspects of it that I could, that I maybe be good at or that um, I'm interested in at least. Um, so I guess that's why I started. But I think it's also marrying, um, I studied history at uni and I think mean, it's very different kind of writing. It's writing essays, but there's an element of story and history and um, 
yeah and I mean like essays like you're putting you're putting pen to paper um <laughs> so yeah so, so I guess that's how I uh I decided to start writing um with the objective of making my own short films um and then in lockdown sorry what was your what was your question Wait, what why yeah I think I've answered it <laughs> 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 Dare I ask um, what what the uh, pilot was about and what your feature was about as well? Because that's quite uh, quite ambitious as well to be to commit to a I pilot. Know. I mean, of course, three months of a lockdown is a great time to start writing because there's not a lot else to do. But that's yeah, okay, well, right? I, I sort of I know the pilot came before lockdown. The pilot I co-wrote it with um, a very good friend of mine um, who writes, uh, who's an actor and writer, but um, probably probably a more experienced writer than I am. So I thought uh, for my first sort of long, long, long-ish, uh, a 50-page thing, uh, writing with someone else was a good idea. And that was um, a comedy, a dark comedy about pickup artists, uh, because I just found the whole world of pickup artistry um, so weird. Wow. That's <laughs> yeah, um, but also quite funny in quite a... In, a, in quite a tragic way, I, I both sort of empathise with the people who sign up for these um, pickup artist lessons and also completely abhor the rampant sexism that there is involved within pickup artistry. So um, I was quite intrigued by it. So it's a dark comedy, um, dark comedy thriller based on that. Epic. Have you sent that off to uh, production houses and the like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a couple of people read it and liked it, but you know, it was a first stab. So um, I think it's probably, I think probably nothing will come of it now. But um, always one for the locker. Keep it in the locker. Yeah, exactly. Do you write from a personal experience with the intention of um, like seeing yourself in it as well? Because I always find that helps me slightly when I pick up or start typing. I say keep saying pick up a pen. Obviously, I don't write with a pen anymore. Um, I do. Do you? You write? Yeah. Well, not solely, but yeah, I do. Oh, I love that. Very old school. (laughs) I know, very old school. But yeah, Uh, I I find it helps that I kind of try and think of myself with one role in it, no matter how big or small it is, just to try and help me to actually kind of feel where it might be going because otherwise I sometimes struggle with that do you, do you think like that as well or not really um I don't know whether I necessarily think of myself but I definitely use people either in my life or other actors or even characters mm. um that I can draw on but I it's funny when I write I don't when I write for myself um I think I can I can fall into like a bit of insularity. I definitely need to use my experience. Not, maybe experiences is the wrong word because a lot of what I write about, I haven't personally experienced, but maybe some of, I use my flaws and I use um, maybe the, the less attractive parts of my personality to wash out the, uh, the the characters um in an honest way um but yeah i don't i don't write for myself no, i don't write with so i just directed a short film um which i've just i finished a rough assembly last night oh, well, um, exciting. I, yeah very exciting but also very um a learning curve a learning curve 
uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, but I, I wasn't in that. Well, actually, I'm an extra in it because but that was more a product of lockdown, trying to keep numbers on set down. Um, like most in lockdown, I probably watched far too much TV than I could probably say I've watched for, for my entire life. Do you have any notable mentions that you, you watched? Obviously, you love, as you say, you, you love your film. And from the poster on the wall, I can tell as well. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In Bruges. It's a classic. Um, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so I actually, I did watch a little bit of TV. I watched um, Succession, which I loved, and um, uh, I May Destroy You. But then mostly I watched film. Um, I sort of saw it as an opportunity to really delve into like all these classics and all these films that had been on my watch list forever. And I mean, my watch list was like, I don't know, so long, so long. You could literally like scroll down forever on 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 the notes page of my phone. So I just cracked on with films and I think have watched like a film a day. Um, Wow. Yeah, yeah, I've watched a lot of movies. Okay, Um, you must have a notable mention that I haven't seen and a number of people have not seen that they need to watch. Got to be something um, to pluck out. Yeah, I mean, I do. I've got loads, but um, I'm trying to think. I I always struggle to pick out like one favourite. Yeah, that is is unfair. Um, I, I might just go within within films that I've watched recently. Okay. I watched a film um, a couple of days ago called The Girl on the Bridge. Okay. Um, which is a French film and it is absolutely brilliant. It's shot in black and white um, and it's very, very, very funny, very well written, um, but also completely, um, it's, about, it's about a knife thrower. And I don't know if that's a technical word, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, and it's, uh, it's basically a love story, but a very sort of, um, very slick and very, um, very sort of acerbic humor. Um, yeah, I mean, I highly recommend that. Okay, well, I'll add that to the watch list, but I will most definitely be putting on the subtitles, but for you, I know you don't need it. Yeah, well, I actually did watch it with subtitles, but that was because the version I had didn't have the option to take it off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there we go. Uh, yeah. we, have to, uh, we have to talk about um, your latest role in Warrior. Mm-hmm. You play Sophie. Um, how, how did you find that experience? Uh, do you want to just explain a little bit about the, the series? Um, it was really such a great experience. Um, so I joined in the second season. Um, it's basically about, it's based off Bruce Lee's writings. Um, so he wrote this sort of outline for a TV show, which takes place in San Francisco in the um, late 1870s, beginning of the uh, 1880s. And it uh, basically covers the run up to the 1882 Chinese Exclusion Act, which um, was, I mean, completely racist and banned um, all immigration from China and was very, very, um, was a very controversial topic at the time. And in San Francisco, you had a big Chinese population um, linked to the gold rush, uh, but also because that was um, the port port of entry coming from China. And um, there were Tongs, which were basically crime families um, who were basically gangs uh, and there was a huge amount of violence there. Um, within Chinatown, there was also opium, um, prostitution. And so the series takes place in this world. And so it's uh, Shannon Lee, who's Bruce Lee's daughter, is the producer on it. And um, 
And yeah, and so it's sort of bringing his vision to life. Um, and the role that I play in it is the mayor's um, sister-in-law. So um, I play Joanna van der Ram's uh, character's sister, and who's an idealist and um, very plucky, um, hasn't, thinks she knows more about the world than maybe she does. And she gets involved with a man called Dylan Leary, who is um, part of the Irish working class who want the Chinese out because of, there's a whole, they're stealing our jobs argument, which um, sounds quite familiar. Well, if that hasn't painted the picture for anyone listening, I don't know what will. (laughs) This episode is sponsored by Actors Warehouse. Now, Actors Warehouse is your one-stop shop for building new and existing skills and progressing your career as a performer. They have one-to-one workshops and they are the perfect way to build up the skills you need to succeed as a performer. The best part is you can tailor the workshop to specifically hit the areas you need work on or to improve. Actors Warehouse also do personalised showreels and they are the perfect way for you to take control of the way casting directors view your talent. Are you stuck in a typecast? Or have you always wanted to take on a certain character or role and never had the chance to? Well... This is the perfect, highly collaborative opportunity for you to explore what you can do as an actor and fast-track your way into the eyes of a casting director. Now, Actors Warehouse puts the client at the forefront of their business, and that is exactly why they take the time to get to know you and your unique requirements as an actor before delivering their one-to-one workshops or creating these personalised showreel scenes. And I believe this personal touch is one of the reasons that they are so fantastic. Go follow them today on Instagram at Actors Warehouse and send them a message to find out more. Or visit their website, www.actorswarehouse.co.uk. You you talk so well about that, like his, history in general. It's clearly such a love for you. How, how, how do you find it playing a role, as you, as you said there, where it's kind of set in, in a time that is so non-relatable to the present day. How do you go about doing your research into playing those kind of roles? And in particular, Sophie? Well, you say non-relatable, but... I mean, in, in, the, in, the, in the context yeah. of... You know what I mean? In the sure, context sure. of... Um, um, yeah, I mean... Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't find it that... When, I think when I approach a historical role, I don't approach it from a necessarily period point of view i i try and find the the common points in the in the personality of the character and um how the character behaves um but i i do think that there's i i do really like um stories that are set in the past because the past is so rich and there's so many stories that are already out there and i did study history so um so yeah i i I, I don't I don't find it necessarily harder to play in something that's um historical than something that takes place in the present day. I think in t- from an acting point of view it's quite similar. How do you prep for your roles? I mean depending on how much time you have, I suppose. Yeah. Um I, it's really finding the common points between the character and myself. Um there's a lot of thinking that goes into it. A lot of Okay, how is this situation similar to something that I've been in, or or how how can does is this reaction 
how how would I react in that way in my life? What would need to happen for me to react that way and really putting myself in their shoes in that way? But then also, I think there's, I sort of prep, 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 and then get to the day and I'm ready to throw it all out the window. Because of course, you have to be open-minded. Yeah, exactly. And it depends on... Um, I mean, you you rarely get to rehearse in in uh, film and TV, but um, uh, which is a shame. But it does mean that um, when you get there on the day, you don't know necessarily how the other actor is going to play their scene, and so yeah, you need to remain open to that and react in the moment. Absolutely. So where can we? Where can anyone catch Warrior on at the moment? So in the UK, it's showing on uh, Sky One, um, and then in the US, it's on Cinemax. But it, it's going. Afterwards, it'll be on HBO Max, which is like streaming. I think you can buy season one on Prime as well, if no one is. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Season two, I don't think will be on Prime, but what do I know? <laughs> Who knows? Fingers crossed. But as you as you said there, uh, this isn't your, your first rodeo in a historical uh, piece. Um, and in fact, you know, with your love of history as well, they, they kind of go hand in hand, which is fantastic. Which draws me back to the, the your first role. Mm-hmm. of course which no doubt you're probably sick and tired of talking about but this of course thrust you into your your incredible career that you already have now and that was playing emily in warhorse oh that's very kind um yes yes i mean it was a brilliant first job um i think i mean i it was it was such a fantastic experience it's sort of one that i wished um i had when i was uh, a little bit older or i wish i could re-experience it now to sort of soak in maybe um more of the sort of skill and craftsmanship that was uh that was involved on that production but uh but yeah I mean it was a dream first role and I think that because I was so young at the time um I don't think I quite understood how exceptional a project it was. I mean, I did insofar as I was a big fan of Michael and Pergo. I mean, I used to Absolutely. read the whole time. And um, and obviously I did. I was familiar with uh, Spielberg's work um, because you'd have to live under a rock not to be. But, um, but I think I was just really uh, overwhelmed by being on a film set. And so I don't think I appreciated quite how... Um, how exceptional it was relative to um, how how incredible their filmmaking actually was. Well, as you say, you were still at school when you you got the role, and then not only was it Spielberg directing, but some of the cast attached to that. Oh, you know, absolutely iconic names: Tom Hiddleston, Benedict Cumberbatch, Jeremy Irvine. How did that experience? come about for you because as i said you were still at school and probably something like this wasn't on the radar you were doing theater at school and uh, yeah yeah i mean how old were you exactly i was 14 yeah so you were you were secondary school and just yeah exactly soldiering on there gcse's are on the on the horizon somewhat yeah and yeah and how this how did this experience come about so i had I, I auditioned just like any other role. I, I, I auditioned, got recalled, had a second audition with the horses in the stables. Um, and, you know, did the classic actor, why lie of, yeah, I can ride horses. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I hadn't ridden many horses in my life. Um, but yeah, and then I, I, I got the part and 
it, it sort of happened quite quite strangely and um, unexpectedly. Uh, and my family isn't uh, in film at all. So they sort of didn't really know what to make of it either. But we were sort of like, okay, <laughs> this is what I'm going to be doing this summer. Who was uh, your chaperone? So my mum and my dad sort of alternated. But then I also had a chaperone. When they couldn't come, I also had a chaperone um, who uh, who I hadn't met before, but who was lovely, called Donna. Um, and... Yeah. Was, was that during well, term time or was that conveniently in the holidays? I'm not sure. It was during the holidays, but um, during term time, during the summer term, I would often at the end of school get whisked away and uh, have course writing lessons. Love uh, it. Which, fun. Yeah. which have proven very convenient in your, in your career. Yeah. So I've done a strange amount of horse related jobs. I'm now, I, I can now say that I'm I'm a decent rider. Um, I couldn't when I first started. I definitely lied about that, but now, now <laughs> I can sort of say that with some confidence. Well, uh, because, because sorry. No, oh, no, sorry. Carry on. Uh, so the stables that um, that um, provide the horses and the stunts for warhorse are the same stables that did free reign. So uh, that's lovely. Like, yeah. Oh, that's very really nice. So yeah. talking about that audition process as well. I definitely want to talk to you about that, especially now more so with with COVID and the fact that face-to-face auditions aren't necessarily going to be happening for some time and self-tapes are very much a thing. How do you find that um, audition process when it's a tape compared to a face-to-face audition? Yeah, I actually think it's um, it's a real shame that self-tapes seem to be the way that... Um, I mean, of course, now in lockdown, there isn't really any other option, but I can sort of... Self-tapes have become more and more of a thing in recent years. And I can see that this lockdown will probably, the impact that it will probably have is that self-tapes will become the norm for first round auditions, which I think is such a shame because you lose that um, that ability to speak about the character and, um, and, and figure out whether your interpretation matches the interpretation that they had in mind for the character. Um, and you get that in the room, even, even with a casting director, um, in a way that you can't with a self-tape, but it seems to be how, how the world's going. Do you feel comfortable sending off two different tapes to your agent and saying you take the choice or are you, do you want to have full creative control on what's being sent to the casting director and director and producers? No, I do. I do sometimes. Um, it sort of depends on if I think I've got two different takes that, are both, that both feel authentic and are different to each other absolutely Um, uh but yeah i mean i i don't think there's a blueprint to how i do it necessarily um but yeah i think getting a second opinion is it's not a bad idea is your housemate uh, a useful self-tape on hand individual or do you have to draw someone else in i usually so recently with this lockdown what i've been doing is um doing them over FaceTime with people, which is really, really hard. Oh, my word. <laughs> um, or trying to record the lines on, um, getting someone to send in the lines of the other character and recording them um, and having them on my laptop and pressing the space bar. But it's not ideal, to be honest. Uh, oh. Oh, well. oh, well, oh, well, oh, well, oh, well. Fingers crossed. Yeah. I mean... There are worse things. <laughs> <laughs> there are worse issues. Yeah. Uh, but as, yeah, as we talked there as well, that's, I can't believe that the, um, 
it's the same stables of Warhorse to Free Reign. Of course, you still would you were doing Free Reign whilst you were still at university um, mm-hmm. studying uh, history. How important was it for you to make sure you still secured that degree as well? Oh, very important. Very important. Um, I was very interested in my degree. It wasn't like I was doing it. Um, I mean, it's not like anyone in in my in our industry really cares if you've got a degree or not. So it was more <laughs> of a personal challenge um, than anything else. And I was very interested in the in history and also had exposure to some people really really brilliant professors so I did take it seriously because I thought if you know once I've started something I need I need to finish it and and do it to the best of my ability um but yeah I mean it was sometimes quite difficult combining combining both filming and uni but not impossible how did you um, how did you find that balance then? I mean, I know that you're you're as you just said you're 100 percent committed to everything that you put your your mindset to, but drawing on because I know I know how difficult a degree from the university that you attended is from not from personal experience but from people that I know. I mean, putting in that work and finding the the balance between work and study must have been quite difficult. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah, I agree. I, agree. <laughs> I don't really know what else to say. Um, <laughs> no, 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 yeah. completely. And I, th- I think it did teach me a sort of work ethic, which I don't think I really had before. But the thing is, if you really want two things badly, mm. then you do sort of make it work. Um, I don't know how. Time. I don't know how pleasant I was to be around. Um, I, I, I'd hope that uh, it didn't take its toll on other people. But to be honest, I think I was just a little bit of a hermit, like had to just go to the library and um, when I wasn't filming, just like cram in the hours. Um, totally. But yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't recommend it, but at the same time, I wouldn't do it differently. No, of course not. And it's so important, as you say, that you want you wanted to do the degree, not because not because of anything else because you were actually genuinely fascinated in the subject um do you plan to continue to utilize that in the future and maybe draw in some of your writing perhaps well my degree yeah as in talking about the some of the historical periods that you studied how else would you continue to utilize that in the future maybe maybe nothing that i'm writing in the minute is very historical but you know who knows? <laughs> you never know. You never know. Well, let's talk. I'm really keen to talk about Free Reign because that was one of the series that I watched in, in lockdown because my, my horsey loving partner insisted we watch it in about a day and a half. Well, that's uh, very impressive. Oh, my, oh my word. Honestly, I, I wasn't even allowed to go to the bathroom. Honestly. No, no, oh, it was, God, no, no, no. I loved it. It was brilliant. It was really, really, really great. What I really want to talk about as dream roles go, considering you then by that point, you, you must have been horse confident free um no I, i'd say that after three seasons of free reign i'm horse now confident. you are <laughs> uh, i think i don't know i think it'd be a bit presumptuous for me to say that i'm horse confident because i i've only ever done it on horses that are trained for, mm. for the screen and with the brilliant brilliant support of the people at steve dent um i i definitely like horses but um you know, I'm not a pro. <laughs> no, of course. Particularly with those those horses that are trained specifically for film and TV. Yeah. I, I, I particularly remember a horse, I, th- I think it's in season three, called Raven. 
Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and that, I mean, that is incredible to watch when you actually see a horse like that start actually acting out badly and, and that comes out on TV. How, how, how do they do that? I mean, obviously, I'm not asking you to give me the, the summary as a stunt horse trainer. but I mean, I would if I could, but uh, to be honest, it's... That must um, be amazing to watch, though. I would love to see yeah, that. Yeah, it is. It really is. I mean, they know what they're doing. Um, they've just... It's really incredible how they can control these huge animals and they are huge by the way um, are they i mean that that yeah. particular horse looked enormous yeah and just having horses around cameras is just quite like an extraordinary thing because because there is an element of unpredictability I, well i guess with any animals but of course. the size and strength of horses um i mean you do need to have um stunt coordinators who are who who know what they're doing with with those animals but um but it is incredible to watch and steve Dancy was that need to is there is there something to come from free reign can we expect anything in the future well another season yeah i don't think so i think unfortunately that's um that's the end of free reign oh no i know oh no i'm gonna have to relay the news downstairs i'm not gonna have supper tonight Oh God, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm joking. How do you well, find no, it? No, you never know. You never know. But um, but I don't. I don't think so. Well, fingers crossed. Who knows? But I, again, hopefully, well, there's plenty of plenty of things I'm sure to be working on. But in particular, how do you find it yourself? Um, watching your own material back that you, you that you've been in. Do you feel comfortable watching your stuff back? And indeed, do you? Um, I will watch it, but I'll watch it once. Um, I don't, I don't, unless, I, I don't know how helpful it is. The The problem is when you shoot something, it comes out like a year or a year and a half later. And you've, and I think there are lessons that can be drawn from watching your own performance. Um, but I tend to always prefer the parts that I'm not in, <laughs> in the things Fair that enough. I watch. Uh, no, that, that's yeah. always true that's always true it's like when you're shooting something and actually you remember the scene that you've done because you've done about you know each each shot in that scene about four times and then that's taken a day but then you don't even know what's actually going on you've read the other you've read the script but you don't know what the other scenes look like or... yeah yeah right being well credited in the industry now you've and of course with your degree behind you you're you know you've got a platform now that is great to be able to deliver and, and articulately uh, articulate it well, deliver important messages to a degree. How, how, how important do you find that knowing that you do have this incredible education behind you and you have a knowledge um, of, you know, you, you have, you, know, you just have a great knowledge of life, but how, how important is it to you to find, to, to use your, uh, to use your platform to talk about um, particular, not necessarily political movements, but to use your platform for the, for the better. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely something that I'm conscious about, but it's at the same time, I'm very aware of the fact that people don't follow me to get preached at. So I, I think there's a fine a, balance between that, though. It's not yeah. necessarily the preaching, but it's about the, um, you know, the the raising awareness of conversations that need to be had. Yeah, so there's there's certain things that I am quite, or have been in the past quite vocal about, um, uh my my younger sister is very involved in um in sustainable fashion um and i think that that's some something which 
you know, we can all have um, have an impact in our buying choices. Uh, that's something that you can have a tangible impact um, by being more conscious in that way. So I do post about that. And then, um, of course, there are, if something's very close to my heart, I will post about it. Um, but, but yeah, as you say, there is a fine balance. And unless I feel that I can speak with confidence on a topic, I won't post about it because, um, because I, I would feel that that's uh, dishonest. Of course. So we talked about your your writing. Is there anything perhaps in particular that we can look forward to later in the year or twenty twenty one from from you? Um, what it's something that's going to be made? Well, I don't. I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. <laughs> um, uh, if you may re- release any information, I'm sh- sure I'd be fascinated. The 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 short film that I've directed is probably the the closest thing to being completed. Um, which yeah i mean it still needs to be graded and then it'll go off mm. maybe some festivals depending on how happy we all are with it um but yeah that's a that's a sort of it's a silent comedy about a pregnancy scare <laughs> wow and uh, sort of influenced by it's a sort of mishmash of um in terms of how it's shot of sort of buster keaton films with Edgar Wright's like Cornetto trilogy kind of transitions and Love like it. a very, very bright um, color palette. Um, yeah. I and mean, we will see, we'll see if, um, if it's any good. <laughs> well, that's really exciting. I really look forward to that. that sounds great. Oh, well. <laughs> I'll keep an eye out. <laughs> um, so I, I'll, I, I ask these two questions to everybody that comes on uh, the show and I'm interested to hear what you think. The first one being uh, as you're, as you're still young in your career, um, what would you say to somebody who's looking to get into the um, creative industries, particularly film and TV? What piece of advice would you give? Um, I think trying to figure out why you're interested in it and remaining true to that um, and not getting caught up in all the, uh, the, background, the background noise, which can be very distracting. Um, so if you if you really love film, if you think that you've got something to say, or if you've got an, an emotional capacity that you think makes you a, a, a good actor, just remember that that's what's drawing you to it, and try and explore that as opposed to getting caught up in I don't know all the all the trimmings that surround the industry. <laughs> and finally, what does the word headstrong mean to you? So I think probably very, I'm, so, I'm kind of repeating myself, but I think maintaining that perspective is so important. Um, Celine, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me. I've really enjoyed it. Really appreciate no it. And um, well, we look forward, to the, look forward to the short film and hopefully see you on the screens in 2021. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> and that's it for this episode of Headstrong. Thank you so much to you, the listener, for tuning in to this podcast. It might not be one of the mainstream podcasts, but we have some incredibly interesting guests with some truly unique and inspiring stories. So I would like to thank Celine for her engaging conversation. If you did enjoy the podcast, please, please subscribe and rate the podcast. And as I say, share it wherever you may want to. Every listener helps. If you have enjoyed this, I will see you next week 
But until then, feel free to check out the catalogue of episodes that I've had with some incredible guests on whichever streaming platform you are listening to right now. See you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.